Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's Farm. Chapter 3 The Destructiveness Cure. Who's been monkeying with my lawnmower? shouted Mr. Phillips from the garage. Did you call her, Thrug Deer? said Mrs. Phillips from the vegetable garden where she was weeding her radishes. Yes, I called, said Mr. Phillips. Who's been fooling with the lawnmower? One wheel's missing. The bolts are gone from the handle, and there are ball bearings all over the garage floor. Oh, dear, said Mrs. Phillips, getting up off of her knees and sighing deeply. I suppose it was Jeffy. He was playing in there yesterday. Tell him to come here, roared Mr. Phillips. I can't, said Mrs. Phillips. He's gone to spend the day with Billy Robinson. Call up the Robinsons, growled Mr. Phillips. Call up the Robinsons and tell them to send our destroying angel home. I can't, said Mrs. Phillips. Coming into the garage, she bent over and started to gather up ball bearings in her gardening basket. Leave those alone, Sybil, said Mr. Phillips. Leave those for Jeff. I've had just about enough of his destroying things. From now on, the starting with this lawnmower, he's putting things back together. But, Hearthrug, dear, do you think he can? asked Mrs. Phillips, looking at the garage floor, which was littered with about 400 tiny lawnmower parts. I don't care whether he can or not, he's going to, said Mr. Phillips, his eyes blazing. Go call the Robinsons. It won't do any good, said Mrs. Phillips, because Oris Root Robinson has driven the children to Green River Falls for the day. They've taken a picnic and won't be home until eight o'clock tonight. Well, said Mr. Phillips, that's a fine state of affairs, gone on a picnic. A reward, I suppose, for tearing the lawnmower to pieces. That's the trouble with children today. When they misbehave, they are not punished, they are rewarded. Now, hearthrug, said Mrs. Phillips, please be reasonable. I didn't send Jeff to the Robinsons as a reward for taking the lawnmower apart. I didn't know he had done that. I sent him to the Robinsons because Oris Root called and invited him. Today is Billy's tenth birthday, and the picnic is his party. Now, as long as you can't get the lawn, why don't you just go and lay down in the lawn swing? It will be relaxing for you, and I'll make a pitcher of lemonade. All right, said Mr. Phillips. I was really too tired to cut the lawn anyway. Say, as long as you're going in the kitchen, how about making me a root beer float? Of course, dear, said Mrs. Phillips. And would you like a bologna sandwich to go with it? I guess so, said Mr. Phillips, walking over and sinking weakly down into the lawn swing. But be sure you put plenty of mustard on the bread. Use the Russian rye I bought home yesterday, and don't forget the dill pickle. All right, dear, said Mrs. Phillips. And Sybil, called Mr. Phillips at Mrs. Phillips. Better make it two sandwiches. I don't forget the lettuce and mayonnaise, please. Yes, dear, said Mrs. Phillips. After Mrs. Phillips had made the sandwiches using plenty of mustard and not forgetting the lettuce and the mayonnaise or the pickles, she got out the ice cream and the root beer for the root beer ice cream soda. Then she opened the cupboard where she kept her electric blender. The cupboard was empty. The blender was not there. Could I have loaned the blender to someone? Mrs. Phillips wondered, opening a cupboard after cupboard. 
Going out on the back porch, she called to Mr. Phillips in the lawn swing. Hearthrug, darling, do you remember my loaning my electric blender to anyone? If you did, it was either this morning or after twelve o'clock last night, said Mr. Phillips, because I made myself a chocolate malt at eleven-thirty last night. Oh, of course I remember, said Mrs. Phillips, and you didn't wash it and left it in the drain board half an inch deep in chocolate syrup, malted milk, and melted ice cream. Mr. Phillips closed his eyes wearily. Going back in the house, Mrs. Phillips began her search for the blender. Finally, after half an hour, when she realized it just wasn't to be found, she ran across the street to borrow Mrs. Harpoon's blender. Mrs. Harpoon said, Certainly, you can borrow my blender, Sybil, but I thought Geoffrey said he had yours fixed. He was working on it early this morning. Where was he working on it? asked Mrs. Phillips. Out in our garage, said Mrs. Harpoon. My goodness, he and Donnie were out there for at least three hours. With a sinking heart, Mrs. Phillips walked out to the Harpoon's garage. There on the work bench, in about fifty pieces, was her nice new blender. She said, Do you have a paper bag I can borrow, Heather? Certainly, said Mrs. Harpoon. My, but that little Geoffrey of ours is a wonderful mechanic. Really, I think he's a genius. He is so thorough. He is thorough anyway, said Mrs. Phillips, gathering up all the tiny little parts of the blender and putting them in the paper bag. Well, thanks, Heather, she said. I'll bring your blender home the minute I've finished with it, and please, whatever you do, never, ever let Geoffrey touch it. Mr. Phillips was pretty cross after having to wait so long for his lunch, so Mrs. Phillips didn't say anything to him about the blender. Instead, she put the paper bag in the cupboard and wrote a note on her shopping list. Take blender parts to see if they can be fixed. After he had had his lunch and a restful nap, Mr. Phillips felt much better and decided to try to put the lawnmower back together again. Humming, he went down to the basement to get his tools. A minute later, he came roaring into the kitchen, his face purple in his hand, the pieces of his brace and bit, and pieces of his level. Look, he shouted, just look, my best tools, and they're ruined. Mrs. Phillips said, don't complain to me, hearthrug. I just went to get the vacuum cleaner, and it is in ten thousand pieces. The carpet sweeper is in sixty pieces, and here she jerked open the cupboard where she put the blender parts. Here is my brand new electric blender, and she began to cry. Putting his broken tools on the drain board of the sink, Mr. Phillips peered into the paper bag of the blender parts and then said, Sybil, I'm going to buy a razor strap, the biggest, strongest one made, and I'm going to beat the destructiveness out of that boy. Mrs. Phillips cried even louder. She said, beating is barbaric, and I won't have it. All right, then, said Mr. Phillips. What would you suggest? I don't know, sobbed Mrs. Phillips. I don't know, but there must be something better than a razor strap. There's nothing wrong with a razor strap, said Mr. Phillips. 
That isn't the answer at all, said Mrs. Phillips. I'm going to ask Greta Rockstall what to do. She has eight children. Do whatever you please, said Mr. Phillips. But don't come crying to me when you find your sewing machine or your electric iron or your waffle iron or your toaster or your... Hearthrug, please, said Mrs. Phillips, dialing the telephone number of her friend Greta Rockstall. When she told Greta all the terrible things Geoffrey had done, Greta laughed and said, We had the very same trouble with Wicky. He took our phonograph and our electric mixer apart and then got the parts mixed up. When they were put back together, the mixer played music and the phonograph ground up the records. And another time, he put the powder, the power lawnmower motor on the baby carriage and started it. That was when Electra was only four months old, and she went clear to Centerville, and we didn't know a thing about it until a garage man came and said the baby carriage was out of gas, and what did we want to do about it? He got our name from Electra's identification tag. Oh, my goodness, that's the most terrible thing I've ever heard, said Mrs. Phillips. What did you do? I mean, how did you punish him? I sent him to Mrs. Pigglewiggle, said Mrs. Rockstall. She is so wonderful with children, always seems to know just how to cure their faults. Of course, said Mrs. Phillips, with such a big sigh of relief, it blew the leaves off the telephone book over to Nye-Nierberger. I can't imagine why I didn't think of Mrs. Pigglewiggle myself. My goodness, Geoffrey used to spend enough time at her house. If she's still living at the same place, oh no, she isn't, said Mrs. Rockstall. She has a farm now. It's the little Spring Valley just at the edge of town. Her number is in the phone book, though. Why don't you call her right now, Sybil? It will be such a relief to your mind. I will, said Mrs. Phillips. Thank you so much for your help, Greta. I'll let you know what Mrs. Pigglewiggle says. Tuesday morning, as soon as she had finished milking, Mrs. Pigglewiggle hurried up to the house and began making buckwheat cakes and cooking little pig sausages. The sausages were just beginning to brown when Mrs. Phillips' station wagon turned into the lane. Mrs. Pigglewiggle... Wag and Lightfoot went out on the back porch to wait for Geoffrey. The car had barely stopped when he jumped out, ran up the back steps, and gave Mrs. Pigglewiggle a big hug. I'm certainly glad you came early, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle. I'm baking buckwheat cakes, and I've got fresh honey to go with it. Oh, boy, said Geoffrey. Well, goodbye, Mom. Goodbye, nothing, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle. I've invited your mother for breakfast. But I mustn't stay, said Mrs. Phillips. I have a meeting of the driftwood polishers, bleachers, and arrangers at noon, and I promised Stella Packinghouse I would bring a casserole dish. I think I'll make my famous prune noodle sardine surprise. Ugh, said Geoffrey. How many sausages can I have, Mrs. Pigglewiggle? It is may I, said Mrs. Phillips, and don't be such a little pig. Would eleven be enough, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle. If it isn't, I'll cook more. Zowie, said Geoffrey. 
"'Well, good-bye,' said Mrs. Phillips. "'Please be good, and do as Mrs. Pigglewiggle tells you, "'and try not to eat her out of house and home.' "'What do you mean by that?' asked Geoffrey, "'stuffing three sausages into his mouth. "'I mean,' said Mother, "'that you should eat your sausage one at a time, "'and you should cut them in pieces "'instead of stuffing them into your mouth whole.' "'Okay,' said Geoffrey, waving at her. But after his mother had driven away, he ate fourteen buckwheat cakes and fourteen sausages, and while he ate, he told Mrs. Pigglewiggle all the news about all the children in the town. He knew all the brownie scouts who had flown up and were girl scouts, and all the cub scouts who had climbed up and were boy scouts. He knew who has who was mad and who and why and who was best friends with whom and why, and even knew the exact day that Patsy's grandmother was coming from New Orleans and that Susan Gray was going to have the braces taken off of her teeth on the 7th of August. Mrs. Pigglewiggle enjoyed her breakfast as much as she could, almost forgetting to put Arbutus out in the pasture. Heavens to Betsy, she said, jumping up. "'Here it is, seven-thirty, and I haven't finished my chores.' "'What chores?' asked Geoffrey. "'Can I help? I'll drive that old cow.' So he and Mrs. Pigglewiggle went down to the barn, and while Mrs. Pigglewiggle cleaned up the milk room, he turned Arbutus into the south pasture, petted Clementus and the lambs, fed Fanny, and watched the piglets. He enjoyed himself very much.' When Mrs. Pigglewiggle had to go up to the house and order some more calf meal, she told Geoffrey to amuse himself until she came back. He amused himself by undoing all the straps on Trotsky's bridle, taking the stirrups off the saddle, taking the pins out of the wheels of Mrs. Pigglewiggle's old farm cart, and with the blade of his pocket knife loosened the screws that fastened the hinges on the doors of Fanny's pin. When Mrs. Pigglewiggle came back, she handed Geoffrey a small toolbox. She said, This is my toolbox. I understand you're very good at fixing things, so while you're here visiting, I'll just put you in charge of the tools, and when anything gets broken, you can fix it. Oh, boy, Geoffrey said. I like to fix things. That's splendid, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle. While I gather the eggs and feed the chickens, you take a look around and see if anything needs fixing. So Geoffrey took the toolbox and went importantly up to the watering trough, and in no time at all he had broken off the faucet handle so that it was impossible to turn the water either off or on. Then he went up on the back porch, took the pump all apart, undid the doorbell so that it wouldn't ring, dismantled a small churn, loosened the screw eyes that held on the porch swing, and finally took apart the toolbox itself, which was metal and put together with very nice hinges. He was sitting in the sunshine taking apart his Mickey Mouse wristwatch when Mrs. Pigglewiggle came up from the barn. She said, Did you find anything that needed fixing, Geoffrey? Yeah, he said. The faucet of the watering trough worked kind of hard. I tried to fix it, but I kind of broke off the handle. 
That's too bad, she said, because we can't get a new handle until we go to town Thursday. However, until we get a new handle, you can pump water here on the porch and carry it down to the trough. The buckets are there on the bench. Well, you see, I mean, uh, that is, uh, said Geoffrey. I figure the pump wasn't working just right, and so I took it apart. And uh, I'm not sure I can put it back together. Oh, mercy, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle, walking over and looking at the pump, which was strewn all over the bench. Well, in that case, I guess you'll just have to carry water from the spring. It is up behind the house. You go out past the woodshed and follow that little trail until you get to it. Here, you had better take two buckets. She handed Geoffrey two twelve-quart milk buckets. Whistling rather tunelessly, he jumped off the porch and ran across the backyard. Hey, this is fun, he said to himself. I bet that old spring's got bullfrogs in it and maybe a big swimming hole. He started up the path. It was very, very narrow and overgrown with blackberries and nettles. Hey, ouch, Geoffrey yelled as a blackberry vine grabbed him around the arm and made a little red scratch on his flesh. He hit at the vine with the bucket and the nettle bent down and stung him on the back of the neck. Hey, this is awful, he said as a mosquito bit him on the nose. Why doesn't anybody cut this old path? Because we seldom use it, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle from behind him. Here, let me buy, and I'll sickle you a path. I had better make it nice and broad, because you will be using it a great deal. Animals drink an enormous amount of water, you know. The spring was pretty. It bubbled coolly, and Geoffrey did see a big bullfrog, but the path down to the spring was slippery, and there were lots of mosquitoes, and with a bucket of water, in each hand, he couldn't slap at them. Once he tried, but the water slopped all over and filled his shoe. He found that the water is the heaviest, sloppiest, hardest thing in the world to carry, and what was worse, Trotsky alone could drink a bucket with one slurp. All the long, hot afternoon, Geoffrey staggered back and forth from the spring. He was hot and itchy and stung all over with nettles. Then he had an idea. Ho, ho, he had it. He would hitch Trotsky to the cart and drive back and forth from the spring. Gosh, with Trotsky, he could carry four ten-gallon milk cans of water at a time. This would be easy. The first blow, of course, was that the harness, which he had taken apart so thoroughly that morning, would not work. For an hour, he buckled and unbuckled, but he couldn't seem to get it just right. So then he thought, I'll just pull the cart myself. I won't be able to carry milk cans of water, but I can carry about four buckets at a time. So he lugged the cart across the barnyard, past the house, and up to the spring. It was very, very hard work, and when he finally got up to the spring, he was so hot he had to lie down and slap cold water on his forehead. After he had cooled off, he filled the four buckets, loaded them in the cart, and started home. 
Pulling the cart with the four buckets of water in it was quite a job, even for a husky nine-year-old boy. It's this darn path, Jeffrey kept saying to himself, as he pushed and pulled and jounced along. As soon as I get to Mrs. Pigglewiggle's yard, it will be easy as pie. When he finally got to Mrs. Pigglewiggle's yard and the left wheel came off the cart, the cart tipped over and all the water spilled. Jeffrey was so mad he kicked the wagon wheel as hard as he could, which was a mistake because he had on tennis shoes. Ouch! he shrieked. Ouch! My toe is broken! Help! Help! I'm in agony! What in the world is the matter? said Mrs. Pigglewiggle from the porch where she was shelling peas. My toe! Jeffrey yelled. I've broken it! Well, come here on the porch and let me take a look at it, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle. The toe was very red and swollen, but Mrs. Pigglewiggle thought that it didn't look too bad, and she said, I don't think it's broken. She made Jeffrey lie down in the hammock and gave him six large fresh ginger cookies and a glass of lemonade for medicine. He said he felt much better right away. As soon as she had finished shelling the peas, Mrs. Pigglewiggle called up to Mr. Larson and asked him if he had a spare faucet or perhaps could fix her pump. He said he would be right over. Mrs. Pigglewiggle met him at the barn and talked to him for quite a while in a low voice. Then he came up, lifted Jeffrey out of the hammock and carried him down to the watering trough, set him down on his good foot and said, Now, son, I'll tell you what to do, but you're going to fix this faucet. After all, you were strong enough to take it apart, so you should be smart enough to put it back together. Now, first you take this Stilson wrench. When Jeffrey had fixed the faucet and had filled the watering trough, Mr. Larson carried him up to the porch and sat him on the bench by the pump. Now, son, he said, you're going to learn how to fix a pump. By the time he had taught Jeffrey how to fix the pump, Mr. Larson had to go home and milk. He said, It's all right, though. I don't think you'll need me for anything else, Mrs. Pigglewiggle. This young feller is pretty handy with tools. Thanks, Mr. Larson, Jeffrey said, scratching a big mosquito bite on his leg. Thanks ever so much for showing me how to fix the faucet and the pump. That's all right, Jeffrey said Mr. Larson. Some day you can come over and help me with my tractor. As soon as my toe gets well, Jeffrey asked, I'll ride Trotsky over. Then he remembered the bridle and his face turned brick red. He said, Mrs. Pigglewiggle, are there any kind of instructions about putting bridles together? I mean, buckling the right piece to the right piece? Mrs. Pigglewiggle laughed, she said, I guess there are, Jeffrey, but I don't happen to have any. However, after supper, I'll bring the bridle up here and show you how to put it back together. M While Mrs. Pigglewiggle was milking, Jeffrey limped over to the steps, sat down, and put the toolbox back together. Then he put all the tools neatly away. He felt better somehow. Then he remembered the churn, and he fixed that. He was working on the doorbell when Mrs. Pigglewiggle called him to supper. 
After supper, she showed him how to fix the bridle, and then she made him soak his toe and go to bed. He was very, very tired, and his bed, with its cool white sheets and blue and white patchwork quilt looking so inviting, he forgot about his toe and made a great big leap from the rug right into the middle. There was a terrible crash, and he was lying squashed down between the springs and the mattress. "'What happened? Are you hurt?' asked Mrs. Piggle Wiggle as she helped him out. "'I'm all right,' Geoffrey said sheepishly. "'It's just that I guess, uh, I sort of forgot. "'I sort of loosened the screws in the bed this morning. "'I mean, I was testing out the screwdriver and my pocket knife, you see, uh, "'to see if it was any good.' "'Well, it was,' said Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. "'I guess so,' said Geoffrey. "'All right,' said Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, sore toe and all.' Not you'll have to help me lift this mattress springs and put the bed back together. Where are the tools? Right here, said Geoffrey, limping over and getting the toolbox off the window seat. So they put the bed back together, and Mrs. Pigglewiggle made all fresh and finally tucked Geoffrey in. All night long he dreamed of boiling hot deserts without water and blackberry vines with thorns as big as daggers. He spent most of the next day laying in the hammock and soaking his toe. But the day after that, he was much better, and before breakfast, had fixed the wheels of the cart and tightened up all the bolts on the mowing machine. After breakfast, while Mrs. Pigglewiggle did her chores, he mended a broken place in the fence, nailed down a loose step, fixed a wiggly leg on a kitchen chair, and repaired the latch on the screen door. Mrs. Pigglewiggle told him she was very proud of him. After lunch, Mrs. Pigglewiggle walked over to Mrs. Larson's to get a bread and butter pickle recipe. She asked Geoffrey to go along, but he said his toe still hurt a little, and he didn't feel like walking. She told him to lie down in the hammock, and look at the books she would and look at books she would be home soon for a little while after she had gone geoffrey lay in the hammock and looked at the sears roebuck catalog then he and wag took a little walk down to the end of the lane then he played ball with wag for a while he'd throw the ball down the lane and wag would run and bring it back then he threw stones at crows and the crows ducked and said, Caw, 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 smarty. Then he caught a few bees in a fruit jar. Then he wandered down to the barn. He could hear Fanny snoring clearly in the barnyard. He limped over to her pen and looked at her. Gee, you're disgusting, Fanny, he said. You're fat and dirty and you snore. Fanny opened one small eye and looked at him. Grumph! she said and began to snort again you make me sick said geoffrey just laying there and snoring why don't you wake up grumph hanny said the thirteen little piggies all crowded down at the end of the pen where geoffrey was hoping it would have something delicious to eat want to get away from your big fat ugly mother for a while he asked them 
Yes, yes, they squealed. So he opened the door into Lester's pen, and they hurried through and began sniffing around in the straw, hoping for a little extra grain or wheat or hidden crusts. Jeffrey watched them for a while until he grew tired, and then he went back to lean over Fanny's pen and watched her. She was still snoring. For some reason, this irritated Jeffrey. That old pig snoring makes me sick at my stomach, he told Wag. Why doesn't she get up and move around? Wag was busy sniffing at the piggies between the boards of Lester's pen and did not answer. Well, I've got an idea, Jeffrey said, limping out to the willow tree and breaking off a branch. He took the branch back to Fanny's pen and began tickling her with it. It was just right for tickling, long and, and supple, with a small bunch of leaves at the very end. At first, Fanny, who was used to flies and bugs, didn't apparently feel the tickling. She snored on, her fat legs and small hooves stretched straight out in front of her. Then Geoffrey tickled her on the end of the snout. She snorted a little. He kept on tickling, and she opened one little eye. He kept on tickling. She got up with a roar and lunged at him. The whole pin quivered, but Geoffrey laughed and flipped the willow switch at her. She lunged again, but this time she hit the door to the pin, the very door whose hinges Geoffrey had loosened the first day he came. The hinges came off, and the door crashed open, and Fanny was free. Geoffrey almost fainted. Run, Rag, run! Fanny's out! He shouted, streaking from the barn door. Pigs are funny animals. They are big and fat and awkward and piggish, but they can run like lightning, especially mean old mother pigs. So when Geoffrey reached the willow tree, Fanny's snout and her sharp teeth were only about two inches from his leg. Giving a jump that took him at least four feet off the ground, Geoffrey snagged a branch, swung both legs up over his head, and grabbed a higher branch with his knees. He wasn't very comfortable, but he was safe. Below him, Fanny stretched her, scratched her sides against the willow trunk and snarled. Wag, safe on the back porch, barked and barked. Jeffrey's hands began to ache a little. He tried hanging by one hand. That made his arms ache. He wanted to get up by his knees so he wouldn't be hanging upside down. He tried giving a little swing with his body, and the branch under his knee cracked alarmingly. My, he was uncomfortable. His face was as red as a fire engine, and his toe ached. Where is Mrs. Pigglewiggle, he said. Then he began to shout, Help! 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 Mrs. Pigglewiggle, save me! From above him in the tree, Penelope said, Oh, for heaven's sake, boy! Quiet down. You're disturbing everyone. But I'm upside down, wailed Jeffrey. Help, 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 he shouted again. What in the world's the matter with you? If you don't like being upside down, why don't you get out of the tree, Penelope said. Because Fanny's down there and she's going to bite me, Jeffrey began to bawl. Well, how did she get out, Penelope asked. She ought to be in her pen. 
She was, Geoffrey said, but I loosened the hinges on her door the first day I came, and then I forgot all about it, and I was tickling her nose, and she charged, and the door came off, and she almost bit me. Well, you're a mischievous boy, and I don't have much sympathy for you, said Penelope. But I don't like Fanny either, so I'll help you. Now, when I chase Fanny into the barn, you get down out of this tree and shut the door. I'll get out of the hayloft window. How can you chase Fanny? Geoffrey asked. Just watch this, Penelope said. There was a great clatter of wings and then a thump as she flew out of the willow tree and landed on the ground. Then in an exact Im imitation of Mrs. Picklewiggle's voice, she said, now, Fanny, get along, go on, get back to your pen, hurry now, Fanny. Supper, Fanny, I've got your nice supper, hurry, Fanny. Fanny waddled into the barn. Like a flash, Geoffrey was out of the tree and rolling the big barn door shut. As he latched the door, he could hear Penelope. Nice girl, Fanny, supper's ready. Then from the loft window, Penelope said, Now, you foolish boy. You had better get up into the house, get your toolbox and the bucket of slops. I'll keep Fanny quiet until you get her food in the trough. Then, while she's eating, you put the hinges back on the door. All right now, scat, boy. Jeffrey scatted. He was pretty nervous about going in the barn, but Penelope rem reminded him that if anything went wrong and Fanny started after him again, he could go up in the loft. Anybody with an ounce of brains would have thought of that in the first place, she said. Geoffrey thought so too, and he was ashamed because he had been so dumb. So, carrying the bucket and slops in one hand and the toolbox under his arm, he squeezed through the barn door, tiptoed over to Fanny's pen. He could hear Penelope talking, Quiet now, girl. Supper's coming, supper's coming. As soon as he dumped in the bucket of slops, Fanny lunged forward and buried her head in it. Now, Penelope said, quick, the door, stand it up and fix those hinges. Jeffrey's hand shook so that the screwdriver kept jumping out of the slots in the screws, but finally he had one hinge on tight. With an anxious look at Fanny's trough, which was almost empty, he started on the other. He just finished when Fanny turned around and saw him. Grumpf, she said, and started toward him. Grabbing his toolbox, Jeffrey ran to the ladder that went up to the loft. Don't worry, boy. The pin's holding, Penelope called out. She flew down from the raft where she had been perched while directing things and waddled out to Jeffrey. Come on, boy, she said. While you've got your tools out, I wish you'd fix the door of my cage. It won't stay open and it won't stay shut. When Mrs. Pigglewiggle got home a little later, Geoffrey had finished fixing Penelope's cage and was lighting up the porch swing. He told Mrs. Pigglewiggle all about Fanny and how Penelope had saved his life, and she said, You're a good girl, Penelope. I'm proud of you. Here are some sunflower seeds. Delicious, said Penelope, eating one. I'll fly down this afternoon and thank her. Oh, Geoffrey, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle. 
Nels is going to work on the tractor this evening. He said to tell you to bring your toolbox and come over after supper. Oh, boy, said Jeffrey. I've always wanted to fix a tractor. And that was how Jeffrey Phillips learned that tools are for fixing things and not just for taking them apart. Today, if you go down to the street, you will see a big sign, Jeffrey Phillips and Wiki Rockstall repair shop. We fix anything. They get lots of business too. Yesterday they put Patsy's big doll eyes in, mended the broken chain on Dick Thompson's bicycle, and fixed Mrs. Harpoon's vacuum cleaner. They even helped Mr. Phillips clean the spark plugs on his car. When they aren't fixing things, they are building. The first thing they built was a beautiful doghouse for Wag. They took it out to Mrs. Pigglewiggle's farm last Sunday. She was simply delighted, and Wag was so happy he licked Jeff's ear and untied Wicky's shoe. While they were playing around the farm, Jeffrey noticed that the watering trough was getting kind of rotten in some places. They built a new big one. Mrs. Pigglewiggle was very pleased, and Penelope said, Glad I saved you from Fanny. You're a good boy.